The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hi, Jason. Hi, Joni. Here we are again, another week. It's crazy busy here. <laughs> this is the Addiction Podcast, and this is episode number 27. And you're listening to Joni Siegel and Jason Good. So, Jason, it's been jammed there at Narcanon, right? We are jamming here. We actually had about eight people come in in the last week. And so it is definitely getting busy. And, you know, when you come up on the holiday season, you've got two different groups of people. You've got the ones that are saying, you know, the addict saying, you know, I'm not going to go to treatment until after the holidays. You know, I need to be there with grandma and I want to be there with the family, but you know, right after I'll go. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got families that are like, you're not ruining Thanksgiving again for us. We're not, we're not going to deal with you running in and out of the house, trying to get drugs and doing all these things while we have to make up stories as to why you're not there. And so, you know, we do get an influx of people, you know, directly before Thanksgiving. And so that's kind of what we got going on now. Right. And uh, I think it's great. You know, you got people that are getting onto the road to saving their lives. You've got parents and family members that have their loved ones survival as the most important thing that they need to deal with right now. Right. And we've got people that want to get drug free and we're going to help them do that. And I, you know, I think that's great because we've talked about it many, many times on the podcast that when family members go, oh, gee, I don't want to send George in for treatment because I want him to be here with great aunt Viola for the holidays. And you've mentioned many times what it means to have an addict around for the holidays and that that's not the best decision to make. And also that the holidays are very stressful on most of us who don't have a drug drug or alcohol dependency. So it's even more stressful on those people. And so for anybody listening, if you suspect a family member or a friend is addicted and you're going, okay, well, in January, we'll see about getting them treatment, you really need to rethink that plan of action and contact Narcanon now. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I just want to urge people away from thinking that they can keep it together during the holidays because they can't. Right. They can't keep it together any other <laughs> any other time of the year. What, what, what do families think the holidays are going to be different right. for? And, it, no, and, I, and in they're fact, not. they're going to be worse. They might, they might be worse. And, you know, for a lot of people who struggle with addiction, you know, the holidays are a pretty tough time of year. Right. You know, it's not all, you know, Christmas carols and cookies and all the, the fun things we think about when it comes to uh, Christmas, that they actually don't look forward to that because of the struggle the family is going through, because of the discord in the family. You know, the holidays end up being a really stressful time of year for them. And so the best thing is to go into treatment so that moving forward, you can have great holiday seasons with your family and you can be present with them and you can actually celebrate for the first time ever. Exactly. And truthfully, if the timing is such that your loved one misses this holiday season, that's one out of many more to come if you get them into proper treatment now. So, yeah. and we do it up it. here for Christmas and Thanksgiving. I'm we sure have you do. an epic event for uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you know, lots of families come visit their loved ones who are here. We have a really awesome chef that puts together an amazing meal, and you know, it ends up being a better alternative to them still being at home. 
Exactly. And you know, Jason, you just gave me a really bright idea. You know, here in uh, Clearwater, where we live, we just have our grown son and his wife and my husband. And so I'm never really excited about cooking a great big turkey for four people. So I think we're going to come to Narconon for Thanksgiving. I think that's a great idea. (laughs) I think that's a great idea. I could make my super special uh, molasses pecan pie and my my super special chocolate cookies and bring them. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yes, you're already invited. Okay. You had me at, you had me at pecan pie. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> well, thank you. There we go. So um, this past week, I interviewed uh, Pamela Seafeld. And yes. Pamela is a pharmacologist. And one of the reasons I wanted to interview her is because she has a lot of non-narcotic natural alternatives for pain. And one of the things that we've talked about on the podcast is that when someone has pain, you got to handle it somehow. And unfortunately, more and more doctors recently have prescribed very dangerous and addictive narcotics. And so I thought Pamela might have a kind of a different perspective on some of the ways to handle chronic pain. And so she talks about that. So let's go ahead and play her interview. And then we will talk after. Okay, sounds good. I'm very excited to have on the podcast today, a woman that I have known for many, many years. She is a pharmacologist, or I guess she's also, you could call her a pharmacist. And she has a company called Botanical Resources. And she helps people handle different medical conditions using pharmacy-grade essential oils and vitamins. She also can help people step down off of dangerous psychiatric medications. That's kind of how I know her, um, by using these pharmacy-grade essential vitamins and oils. And I wanted to talk to her today to kind of get her take on what's happening with opioids, how um, it has affected her business and how she sees it um, from her perspective. So welcome, everybody, Pamela Seafield. Pamela, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I thought that you, because we were talking recently about the opioid epidemic, and you had um, a very different perspective than perhaps what Jason and I might have, I wanted to talk to you. So Tell me what you're seeing with the opioid epidemic. Okay, well, great. First of all, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm really glad I can participate and help you. Um, My background is clinical pharmacy, and I also study something called pharmacognosy, which is plant science at the University of Florida. So I I know the details as far as how things work in the body, but I still also work as a clinical pharmacist. So my background is pharmacology. Um, I can tell you just from a historic standpoint, I've been a pharmacist for about 27 years, and when I originally trained at the University of Florida, when we saw people, and I've always been in hospital work, okay, so I've been around a very varied group of people, right. um, surgery patients, you know, chemotherapy patients, all that kind of thing, so I'm not like sitting, you know, at the, the retail store, so I see a lot of everything, okay, we see a lot of people coming in with chronic pain and so forth, 
the opiates when they first when we first got out of school and we were seeing people that were coming into the hospital, they were really reserved for cancer patients. Right. You never really saw them used for a back pain, um, you know, a routine, you know, tooth extraction. Those were not prescribed for that. They were specifically for people that were very, very ill, terminal, um, chronic pain from cancer invading their body. And so those were the people that really needed that type of medicine and it was most appropriate at that time. Exactly. And how long ago was that, Pamela? I would say probably 20 years ago. So this is when I really saw a lot of that, that this is really how we were trained. And, And really the pharmacology of opiates we know has the um, this addiction and the reason why it does is because it conditions on receptor, receptors. Okay, so I'll explain. Um, for medicines to work, any kind of pain reliever, we have two classes of pain relieving medicines. Okay, so one we call uh, something that works in the periphery, something that doesn't enter the brain. Okay, so an example of that would be like ibuprofen or naproxen or something like that. So when we see those particular medicines, they're not fat soluble. Your brain is made of fat. Okay, so there's fat soluble and water soluble, and so those medicines work in the peripheral area. So they know, know, and the studies show that someone that has a back problems or has a back injury from, say, a car accident, um, using these peripheral medicines and using them consistently, and you can do the same thing with turmeric. Turmeric is, a, is the same thing. It's a very strong antioxidant. I have home, I have, I have my own homeopathic pharmacy here in Clearwater called Botanical Resource. And I do this every day that if people want to come in and they have a particular injury or they have pain, we can treat this without medicines, okay? So, so, so are- let, me, let me just stop you for a second because I yeah. knew that um, turmeric is good for inflammation of the joints, but you're saying that it's also good for treatment of just pain in general? Correct. Correct, because it has a lot of anti-inflammatory properties and it has specific anti-inflammatory properties really for the, for the, for the nerves. It's fat-soluble. It's pretty interesting. It's actually kind of, and it, it works as a COX-2 inhibitor. It works a lot like Celebrex, but it does not have the dangerous side effects. Like Celebrex has black box warnings as far as cardiac problems, heart problems. And remember, Vioxx was taken off the market. That was a, a you know, a, a very popular um, COX-2 inhibitor and it basically had to be removed because people were having heart attacks. You see, you know, unfortunately, the, what happens is, you know, we, we, we look at a particular pathway. If we think something like COX-2 needs to be completely stopped, it doesn't work that way. Another case in point is stomach acid blockers. We used to give people Pepsid and um, Zantac, and that blocked a little bit of the acid, and that worked okay. You know, if, if someone's taking a prescription, I have homeopathy that works as well, but we're just talking about medicines today, right. um, that, that now they came out with you know, proton pump inhibitors like Nexium and Protonics, and that blocks all the acid. That's why you're seeing all the kidney failure, the dementia. All these problems are directly related because you cannot, like, completely block off one thing. I've given case in point, if you, you – bacteria is on everything, like food, especially vegetables and stuff. If you have no stomach acid in your stomach, how are you killing any of that? Right. So, 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 so life isn't all or nothing, right? And that's what I kind of try to point to, like, like with the opiates, it's not all or nothing. I mean, if I'm in a car accident and they have to give me a, a, a small amount of something just to kind of get the pain under, under control for surgery, that's appropriate. If I have a back, back injury and I'm getting rear-ended, 
opiates are not appropriate. And the right. reason why is because what you have is muscle spasms and you have inflammation. And turmeric is special in that it has fat-soluble properties, but it also works in the periphery. So it does both. So you get this, 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 these, the, the, this pain blockage in the brain, but you also get it in the periphery. So it's really it's inexpensive. So turmeric is good, but you have to take it with fat. So like say your breakfast is a pear and a cup of black coffee. It's not going to be absorbed. It's fat-soluble. So you, know, you have to have fat in your meal. And that's where a lot of people, when they take vitamins um, or supplements that are trying to work for pain, if they don't have it with a meal that has a little bit of olive oil or something, they're not going to absorb it, and so you're not going to get a therapeutic outcome. And that's important. And if people ever have questions about what to take with what, that they can reach me at my office, and I would be glad to explain that to them because a lot of people have uh, you know, subpar outcomes, and it's all because they're not taking it correctly. Now, that's interesting because I have taken turmeric in a shake to handle um, arthritis, and I think I, I did put some fish oil in there, so that's probably why it was effective. But normally I would just do like fruit or right. veggies in there, and that, and that wouldn't necessarily have it work. Pamela, I know you have a local number. Do you have an 800 number as well? Well, it's just a local number, but but most people probably have you know that that on their cell phone. But I would just call you, call me at my office here. It's seven two seven four four two four nine five five. It's Botanical Resource, or you can even search under my name Pamela Seafeld RPH, and it you know there's like ten Google pages you can reach me. But if you go under botanicalresource.com, that's my business, there's a submission button right there where you can say, ask the pharmacist. And that goes directly to my email, and then we answer those questions. So if they don't want to call and they want to just go ahead and submit it through the computer, that's perfectly fine too. If you leave a phone number there, I'll call you um, back. And, and you know, that's the way you don't have to use your minutes on your phone if you prefer it. That, that's perfectly fine. I do that all the time. Well, that's awesome because, like I say, I I think I did put fish oil in my shake when I was um, putting the turmeric in there, but I didn't know I needed to, and so that's that's very valuable to know. There's certain ways you can take stuff. I'm telling you, my background as a pharmacologist, you have you, you, there's a, there's a there's a whole science by knowing how things move to the body, where you want it to go to a particular area, and so when we're talking about you know narcotics versus peripherally acting agents, um, it's important to realize that narcotics, the reason why you become, it becomes addicting is because drugs work on receptors. Receptors are proteins on a cell. This is how medicines work, okay? All medicines work this way. So if there's a protein on a cell, and it has, happens to be that these cells reside in the brain, and there's a receptor called an opiate receptor, and the drug comes in over the central nervous system, comes into the brain, and it hits on the receptor, and the receptor does a specific response that blocks pain. How does it block pain? The signal from your brain to where the injury is is stopped. That signal doesn't work. Okay, and mm-hmm. so if the signal doesn't work, that's the problem. Like, say you have an athlete and they get injured and they're taking narcotics, um, they're going to they're keep getting hurt because right. it, the injury is still there. You just don't feel it. Right. So that's important for people to realize. Um, but you look at opiates; it takes only maybe seven, eight days taking it consistently, where you start having withdrawal afterwards. Right. It, 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 the same thing with benzodiazepines like Xanax, Ativan, Valium. Same thing. So you're around that 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 rocky point. So like taking, you know, a, a Percocet or something um, for one or two days, you're probably fine. When right. you start taking it for a week, that's a problem. So people need to know there's a time limit on this. Exactly. 
Exactly. That's, that, that's, that's one very of the, important. Yeah, that's one of the things we've talked about is like, okay, you know, you have major surgery, maybe you go home with two or three days worth of heavy duty painkillers, but not like 30 days worth. Exactly. And that, well, they know that more than a third of the people that have chronic opiate addiction today started with a legitimate prescription. That's right. And that's the problem. But remember, right, when I was talking about this historic uh, viewpoint that I'm trying to present here is that. You know, 20 years ago, you never saw them use it for that, okay? You did not use – they, they would give somebody some ibuprofen or something and send them out the door. Um, and we know, too, that the outcome for people with back injuries from car accidents, the, the people that have physical therapy, you know, heat alternating with cold, and they take, um, you know, scheduled dose anti-inflammatories for maybe a week, they do far better than the people that were given the prescriptions with the physical therapy, with the narcotics. So, so it's really important when you have an injury to say, where is this? And anytime you have an injury and you want to know like what you can use at your house, maybe if I, I, have, some, I have some inexpensive homeopathy that I use quite a bit for different kinds of uh, injuries and so forth, that's what I would suggest because those things are going to work very well and they're going to be very effective. The, these people that are they're using the narcotics when they really should have been using something else, it's really quite unfortunate because they, they've, made, they've made the country a bunch of addicts. Right. Right, which That's is why it's an epidemic. Yeah, they, 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 they created this. They created and you know, this, and it's 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 and it's not just what you read in the paper. Let me tell you, I'm firsthand. I work in a hospital, um, and we have a long-term care facility. It's kind of attached to our hospital, so we hit. It's, it, we have people that are kind of like a step down. They're not in an ICU, but they're still very sick, so they have to be there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that have to be at that particular level of care. There's, there's a significant percentage of people that are coming in that's because they took an oral narcotic, they crushed it up, and they injected it into themselves with tap water. You told me that, and it, and it creates, what is it, is cellulitis? Is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, cellulitis, or? but bacteremia too. And then if <sighs> things are bad, okay, so what will happen is they'll inject it in, they'll get high off of it, um, but they're using something that's non-sterile, so there's bacteria that get into the bloodstream, and when you get bacteria into the bloodstream, you, know, you, you can become septic, that's what we right. call it. Septic, right. your blood pressure drops, um, your high fevers, you can die. Um, but some other things that can happen is you can end up with something called osteomyelitis, where the bacteria travel to the bone and they infect the bone, and you have to be on antibiotics for six to eight weeks, IV wow. antibiotics. Okay, and then these people already have an addiction problem, so now they have an IV line. Ugh. So you have to watch them. <laughs> so they have to have cameras in the room because their friends bring in drugs and they inject. I mean, I can't make this stuff up. I know, it's a I big know. problem. It's a, well, the problem, too, is that the nurses, they work so hard, um, and they have to babysit these people, right. right, because they're spending their time trying to make sure that they're not doing something wrong, and right. that we want them to get better. Um, and another complication can also be um, a vegetation on the heart valve, and that's called uh, endocarditis. Right. So people that end up with that, and that you have to treat with antibiotics for a while, because the, with the, the heart valve, sometimes the tissue there is kind of like a little flap, and the bacteria can hide there, and then they can kind of grow there. And no matter how high the antibiotics are, it's very, very hard to treat. So just to give people an overview, um, when they start, first came out with these, they, they were only using it for cancer patients. There are some pretty famous doctors that went in with the, with the blessing of the drug companies said, these drugs aren't addicting. They're perfectly fine. We should use it for everybody. And we really, you know, in the hospitals, we really champion ourselves. We're rated on pain control, and we don't want people to suffer. But 
if the people had been on these anti-inflammatories on the proper dosage in the beginning, they would have never needed the narcotics in the first place. And that's, I think, where a lot of people need to realize what's happening. Right. Right. Well, I can speak from personal experience, Pamela, because I have quite a bit of arthritis in my lower back because I broke my back when I was 18. And so things are kind of misshapen back there. And I had pulled something, went to L.A., saw um, an orthopedist in LA and he prescribed a steroid, which was fine. I needed it. I was in a lot of pain, but he also prescribed, I think it was Norcot. It was a very heavy Norco. Yes. Norco, a very heavy duty painkiller, which I never took because when I took the steroid, I didn't need it. I wasn't in pain anymore. But just the fact that he prescribed that was I was like, wow, that's a pretty heavy-duty painkiller. I could probably take an Advil and do just as well. Well, that's very true. That's very or turmeric. <laughs> turmeric is really good. And I'll tell you, I use um, something here called chronogesic. Um, it's from Desbio. It's, it's medical homeopathy. Chronogesic is really good, too. That's for like long-term inflammation. It blocks interleukins 1 and 6 which create like chronic pain, chronic inflammation. And don't forget, you know, a lot of people really overlook diet. You know, eating lots of vegetables, um, the bioflavonoids that are in the colorful vegetables greatly reduce inflammation. Right. And that's easy. Food, food you have to eat. Yes. And, and, you know, the Mediterranean diet is highly anti-inflammatory. Interesting. Interesting. You know, the other thing I was thinking when you were talking before about endio and endocarditis is that endocarditis yes correct endocarditis i want i want people who are listening to understand that this is a long-term effect of drug use it's you know it isn't even something that's going to go away just because you get off of drugs so it's something for you to keep in mind if i don't I'm sometimes not sure who our listening audience is, whether it's people who are friends and family of addicts or whether we actually have addicts that listen to this podcast, but there are long-term negative effects of these drugs and you need to be aware of them. It's not just you stop taking the drugs and everything is going to be fine because you produce long-term very negative effects on the body, such as endocarditis, because I think Jason was telling me a friend of his who was no longer on drugs and died from a heart attack because he had endocarditis. You know? Well, that so, can very well happen. Yeah. You have to think about this. Maybe just to, just to explain, bacteria going through your bloodstream and, and, you know, what causes a fever? A fever is caused when the bacteria, your body sees this bacteria, goes after them like a foreign entity, and then when they break open, um, it liberates its contents, makes you feel sick, and it makes you have a high fever. And then that, that, that contents of the bacteria is, is, goes into the brain. It's called pyrogens, and that's what causes fevers. So when you have fever, you know there's a problem. Right. And, and these people come in with really high fevers. But the, the, the thing is, too, and I mean, this is more of a personal assessment than maybe so much pharmacology, but there's really a crisis of the spirit when you, when you, you know, really feel like your whole body is out of control and is completely relied on by medicines. That's, that's not the way our lives are supposed to be. That's right. And that's why it's really important, whatever modalities people need to use to come in contact with themselves and understand that these things are these things are ruining their lives, and it's because they're giving power to the medicines. That's that's, right. that's not that's not what they were used for originally. If I have cancer and I'm terminal, they might need to be using narcotics. I get that, but for the the majority of the, the people that are taking these, 
they, they are taking them and it's, an un, it's really a non-approved indication. They're, they should not be on them. Right. Right. Well, it's a good point. And, and one of the things we talk about, because um, Jason, who's my co-host, works at Narconon. I think you're familiar with Narconon. Oh, yeah. Love it. Do a great and, job there. And, and the whole, the whole, uh, the whole view at Narconon is that drugs are the solution to something to some problem that yes. you have in life, something that you can't exactly confront. Right. And that's, that goes to what you're saying is whatever modality you use, whether it's your religion, whether it's meditation, whether it's g- taking long walks, you need to find other solutions for things that are happening in your life that aren't drugs because these drugs, they have long-term very negative effects. And the other thing, and, and Pamela, I know you know this because you just yes. said it, you can't necessarily trust that the doctor that's prescribing something for you is 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 doing the right thing. No. You, you, you and it's not, we're not, we're not, we're not um, blaming him, but I'm telling you that this, this is when you look at the way modern medicine is. You have a short time that you're seeing him, and the rest of the time... You know, you, you, it's like a five-minute visit, and then, you know, you're out the door, and then, you know, a prescription has to be written. And that's, that's the thing. That's how we're conditioned. Right. This is how we're conditioned in this country, that if I go to the doctor, and by golly, I better get a prescription out of this. Right. And sometimes the best prescription is no medicine at all. Mm-hmm. Fish oil, turmeric, chronogesic. Um, and, and actually, I use a lot of CBD, cannabinoidal, which is non-euphoric. What is that? So, so this is this. You have to just kind of be open minded. I mean, you're more like <laughs> you're probably what? But they, there, there are there are hemp plants. Hemp. This is cannabis, right? This is ma- ah, marijuana, but it's okay, not. Okay. But it does not have THC. I got so, it. So THC is what people you know get high. Well, you know, I'm not advocating that. I don't. I don't agree with that. But th- there are people that have not had a drug history and maybe have chronic pain. Um, that I have CBD, which is cannabinoidal and time-release capsules, and it's inexpensive and it works really good. So I'll give you the case point, perfect person for this. I have elderly clients that come in, and I have two ladies that don't know each other, but they came in with a little walker that's got the little stool on it, you know, and yeah. they're walking in with the little stool thing, and they're, they're taking like half a narco in the morning and half a narco in the afternoon because they're in so much pain. They have really bad arthritis. These ladies are like in their 90s. They're really elderly, okay? Two different right. patients. right. Unrelated to Kevin, and I was like, "Look, you need to be open-minded about this. Why don't you try the hemp capsules and see if you're better?" They're like, "Oh, I don't know. There's drugs." I said, "There's no, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no impairment. This is, this is, you know, hemp you're was originally narco. grown like, for, yeah, hemp was originally grown for like, you know, the, Thomas Jefferson had hemp plantations. It was like for rope and, you know, you know, you put hemp seeds on your salad and that kind of. So, anyways, yeah, they came back and she's like, not even. She just had like a little walker, like a little, like what is it, yeah, the little, little, little hand one, you know, not even like that stool thing. That's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, she goes, I don't even take my narcotics anymore. And she, this lady's like, she's cooking along. I was like, that's pretty good. And another lady, same situation, like really debilitated, like going over. And then I was just literally, um, I was doing my callbacks and I was looking, and there was a message from a client I saw yesterday that I gave it to her. I said, just trust me. And these people are very religious. They're kind of like, you know, I can't, I can't imagine marijuana. I go, it's not that. You know, you have to kind of like separate yourself from that. It's not this, you know, getting high. It's not this marijuana stuff where you have to go to the doctor and it's like dispensary. It's not that junk. You know, it's not right. this. But um, for the right type of person uh, for that has really bad chronic pain and says, I want to get off these narcotics, this stuff does work really well. And, and, and it, took me a while, it took me six months of the person to convince me to try and keep it. 
here. And then somebody, I, I said to the, 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 the company that I ordered from, I said, if I get a request, I said, I will get it. But I said, I'm not going to keep that stuff here. And yeah, I did get a lady that we call and says, you know, it helped me from my pain. Will you get it? I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll get it. And um, that's something just to keep in mind. I'm not advocating switching out one drug for the other. There are a lot of rehab centers where you go there and they want to put somebody on methadone. Right. That's just switching to another drug. That's right. That's exactly right. It's substituting one drug for another, and it does not. Yeah, work. suboxone, same situation. Yep. yep. Yeah, all that stuff. I mean, yep. that's not that's not what people really need. Um, you know, where they're where they're getting the pain relief, but they're maybe not getting quite as euphoric. There's still there's still abuse that can occur with those things, and I just I, I really think just my personal philosophy is that the Narcanon does a really good job. You need to look inside yourself, and the saunas are a great way to detox. The saunas yeah. and the vitamins, you can't, you can't beat that. I have a huge infrared sauna at my house. Best money I ever spent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let me ask you a question on the CBD. Do you, yes. in order to take that, do you have to get like, you have to get like approval for medical marijuana. Do you have to get approval for that? No, no, you don't. No? Okay, nope. and, and, it's, and like I said, it's a, the price point's really good. I don't mark it up at all because I, it's more of a compassionate use thing. But we sell like 60 capsules for $40. And okay. they, were, they last over six hours. So say someone has really bad pain. They've been like in chronic pain. They just, you know, they really need something. Right. Then, the, then this person could use this. A good part about the CBD, it also has antispasmodic activity. So you get anti-inflammatory, antispasmodic, and the CB2 receptors, which is the ones that we're, we're advocating in here. The CB1 are the ones that make people intoxicated high, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So right. There's no CB1. It doesn't bind to CB1. It binds only to okay. CB2. But CB2 receptors are pretty ubiquitous. They're like all through the entire body, central nervous system, all the tissues, and the muscle relaxant activity is is really significant. So that's that's that somebody has and a lot of back problems have have a muscle spasm component. Yeah, exactly. A lot of them do, and that's why they give you anti-inflammatories. And if you go to a doctor, what do we give them? Flexeril, Meprobam. You know, we give them all these anti spasmodics, but those things are like drugging. Right. Um, and this, this, this is non-impairing. So um, I can just say that I, you know, I've probably put several hundred people on this and I have it in like liquid you can put under your tongue. I have it in cream. You can put it in topically on an area. I mean, it's, it's pretty, um, pretty all encompassing, but I really, I like that. So there's something, if somebody's listening to this and they really do have real pain and they're just like, okay, I want to get off the narcotics. Um, I can help them with that. I do that quite a bit, actually, if, to yeah. transition people off of it. And then, of course, Joni, you know, has has her referrals to Narconon, which is an excellent source, um, really very professional organization. So Right, but one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, and as I said into the in the intro, which you didn't hear, is that I've known you for many years because um, you get people off of dangerous psychiatric medication. And yes. as we've mentioned many times in the podcast... A lot of those psychiatric medications, you cannot cold turkey off of those medications. It's too dangerous. No. So you you need you you need to step down, but you also need someone like Pamela who can help put back the good things while you get off of these dangerous drugs, the good things into the body. Yeah, I, I transition people off of. Um, psychiatric drugs all the time. That's that's a lot of what I do. Mental health probably half what I do, but also too, if somebody really has. Uh, a willingness that wants, maybe they just don't have the funds 
to do inpatient treatment and they want to just try and do something, if, especially if they have, they've only been on narcotics for maybe like less than a month and it's been a short time. You know, we're not talking about someone that's had a back injury 10 years ago and they've been on it for like ever. And, you know what I mean? That, right. Those people, it's much harder. They need, yes. they need, they need inpatient intervention for something like that. But yeah. I'll be glad to help them. I mean, I, don't, I just don't advertise a whole lot of that kind of thing here because I don't want a bunch of people that – are opiate dependent sitting in my waiting room. I mean, I see a lot of, you know, other people too. So I, I want, I don't want it just to be one specific thing, but I'm not against uh, one particular diagnosis versus another. It just seems that right. I do a lot more of ADD, ADHD, you know, kids trying to achieve in school, adults maybe with high cholesterol, maybe someone's had a heart attack. I mean, I pretty much do everything. I even see animals and dogs, like cats and dogs. <laughs> I do because the vet's expensive, you know. I mean, I do homeopathy. Let me tell you too. There, I, there's some really unique things I do here. If somebody's got in liver failure or kidney failure, I can help them. Interesting. Yeah, I have. I got a lady off dialysis. Wow. Yeah, I am really good with the kidney stuff. I have stuff that like, nobody has. In fact, one of my clients, I got her. her she was stage three. She's done a stage one. She's going to be fine. Her nephrologist is like, "What are you taking?" Wow. Yeah, he wants to wow. meet me. I'm like, "Yeah, they need to do this." <laughs> Because it's crazy. I mean, why dialysis? I'm like, you really want to go on? I looked at her. I'm like, this is like a few months ago before I started treating her. I'm like, you want to be on dialysis? She goes, no. I go, well, let's forget that. Yeah. Seriously. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know everything, but I know a lot about this stuff. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you talking to us today because I think you have a whole different take on you know, the opioids and what's happening. And I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you do. And your website again is botanical resources or resource resource botanicalresource.com. And you can even search under Pamela Seafeld and, and, and I'll come up, but you can, you can, if you go on botanicalresource.com um, and you know, there's a place you see a picture of me at my desk and it has a little thing, submit a question to the pharmacist and you can submit it. And there's a little bio it talks a little bit about what we do here. Um, it's pretty all encompassing our consultations. My consultation to you is free. It's always free. All follow-ups are free. We make a chart here for you. It's very professional. Wow. Um, you can set up a phone consultation. It's like 15, 20 minutes. We talk on the phone. I write everything down for you. We make copies of it. We can mail it out. I mean, I have clients all over the world. So, I mean, you don't have to live here. Yeah, so, that's so, awesome. So if, if, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're up in New York, I mean, that's fine. I mean, we mail out all the time. That's, it's, it's pretty standard. You know, they, they come here and pick everything up every day. So I, I'll be glad to help anybody with anything, any kind of chronic illness you have. Um, today we were talking while we spoke focusing on the opiates. And pain, pain management is important. Um, the whole idea is, is trying to get better. You don't, you know, if you have chronic pain, let's solve the problem. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, That's we're we not need saying, to do. yeah, we're not saying you shouldn't do anything for the pain or you should just suck it up and live with it. But there are alternatives to narcotics and opioids. And that's what we're talking about here. Exactly. And they're effective, too, because a lot yes. of people have opinions. I'm not opinion. If somebody wants to know something, I mean, I'm on the Library of Medicine and I look at studies and I look at published data. So if somebody says, well, you know, there's really no, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no data behind that. That's, that's you know, opinion. <laughs> and natural. Yeah, I'll be like, okay, do you want me to studies. I mean, I do grand rounds for the doctors. I mean, I, 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 I teach continuing education. So right. yeah, I, I'll get you studies. I can show you exactly. I can tell you where it works, how you need to, what you need to eat with it to make it go to the place of the area of the body that you need to, to work more appropriately. And especially we're talking about people that have had back injuries and stuff. Um, I have things that repair the nerves in the spine. If you don't repair the spinal cord, and we're talking non-surgical, homeopathic, medical homeopathy, if you don't repair that, you're never going to get better. That's right. Yeah, let's solve where the problem is. Yep, yep, exactly. 
Exactly. Well, Pamela, thank you so much for thank talking you, to me today. And once again, everybody listening, it's botanicalresource.com. This is Pamela Seefeld, S-E-E-F-E-L-D, and her number is 727-442-4955. You're a doll. Thank you so much, Pamela. Absolutely. Had a pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you so much. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. So what did you think, Jason, you being in rehab, what, what did you think about what Pamela had to say? I liked most of what she had to say. I like that one, she has natural alternatives to her pain other than CBD. <laughs> right. Second thing I like is that she understands that she understands the opiate problem. Right. And, you know, there's too many times where you've got people that kind of know it exists, but don't really know how bad it is. And she seems to. And she, you know, like she said in her interview, you know, as a pharmacist, you know, we only filled prescriptions for pain medication you know, to people with cancer, terminal illness, or end-of-life pain, and that's all they were prescribed to, and now we're at a point where it's like they're prescribed to literally everyone for every bump or bruise or what have you. You know, people are getting these drugs that were supposed to only be relegated to, like, really severe conditions. Right. And I think if more people understood there was a nat- there's, you know, natural pain-relieving alternatives and actually tried them first – before going to like, you know, narcotics or anything like that, I think that might be a way we could start to curb the amount of people that are newly getting addicted. I think so too. I definitely think so too. Instead of sending somebody home from minor surgery with Oxycontin, you could say, you know, take ibuprofen and that should fix it. Or, or here's two Oxycontin, take that while the pain is super bad and then quit taking that and take ibuprofen. Not here's 30 days worth of Oxycontin. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. It's just like, I don't know. There's too many times where people will go to a doctor and get prescribed opiates so incredibly loosely. And people don't understand how, it, if they're not exposed to it before, they don't understand how powerfully addictive opiates are. That's right. You know, when a doctor gives it to you, you assume that the doctor is not trying to do you any harm and surely wouldn't give you something that would ruin your life. But I mean, that's, that's the scenario right now. And I I think natural alternatives should be tried first. Right. And you have to question your doctors and that we've said this over and over and over again, just because a doctor prescribes something, it's your health, it's your body. You need to ask the tough questions. Jason, I'm going to tell you an interesting little story that everybody's going to hear again because I was speaking to the president of Drug Free World Florida chapter, and she had gone to Ireland where she was doing, uh, she was delivering the truth about drugs materials to different groups of people over there. And one of the people that she talked to was a police officer, a former police officer who had been part of a drug task force. I think he was a police officer, but he'd been part of a drug task force. He was not uneducated on the whole subject of drugs. And he had been taking Oxycontin for, uh, I think it was back, uh, back issues that he had. And he ran out, he was traveling and he ran out. And so he went to, and these were prescribed by his doctor. So he went to a different doctor and he was explaining, you know, what his issues were. And the doctor said, 
well, what have you been taking? And he said, well, I've been taking OxyContin. And the doctor said, oh my goodness, did you know what that drug is? Did you know how addictive it is? And the, the guy was appalled because he had no idea what he had been taking. And when he went back home and saw the doctor that had prescribed it, he really read him the riot act. And the thing, the thing that came up obviously in what, um, Julieta, that's the president of drug free world, drug free world, Florida chapter. The thing that, um, amazed the fellow was that he didn't know. And it's all about education, which is what we've been talking about. But you know, there's a great example of someone who, you know, is aware that there's a drug problem, but took this medication prescribed by his doctor and didn't question it. And the questions that you have to ask are, is this addictive? Is it potentially addictive? And if the answer to that from your doctor is yes, then the question should be, what alternative can you give me? And could you believe that the doctors who originally were prescribing Oxycontin told people they weren't addictive? Well, that's because that's what Purdue told them. And, mm-hmm. you know, unbelievable. Purdue, I think, was sued, weren't they? Um, they're being sued by multiple states right now. And I, I think one of the newest states to file suit against Purdue Pharmaceuticals is Washington. Uh, Washington State has a huge, 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 huge opiate problem. And, you know, they've taken action against the pharmaceutical companies that are, you know, ultimately responsible for this. But at the end of the day, I mean, I could say that the pharmaceutical companies are ultimately responsible, but we're ultimately responsible. You know, we're choosing what we're putting in our mouths to a point. That's right. Um, You know, I had a cop pull me over one time and said I broke some sort of traffic law. I said, I don't even know what that law is. And he said, well, you know what? Ignorance is no excuse. That's right. That's exactly you need right. to find these things out if you're going to drive a car. That's and I said, that's actually kind of interesting. That's exactly right. That's exactly true. So, Jason, because we did this interview, I did the interview and you weren't here, you didn't get a chance to chime in on anything that Pamela was talking about. And I know that um, one of the alternatives that she presented is something that – um, could present a problem and could create drug dependency. So I want you to talk about that. So CBD is cannabidiol. That is the newest rage as far as using the cannabis plant medicinally and not having the psychoactive substance THC in it so it doesn't, it doesn't get you high. Right. My problem with CBD is this. For people who've never had addiction issues, it might it, it, it might be okay for them, and it, and it might you know handle certain problems that they're having. But no person that's ever struggled with addiction should take CBD. One of the reasons is the quality control when it comes to CBD. There's been times where THC has actually been found in it and sold in stores in states that mar- medical marijuana isn't legal. Right. So. See, cannabidiol is a byproduct of processing hemp stocks. Right. And it's very easy for THC to get in it. And if a person's ever struggled with marijuana abuse, which is a thing, I mean, people need to realize like marijuana abuse is a thing. It is a thing that people are calling rehab to get off of nowadays. Okay. So if a person's had substance abuse issues and they were smoking marijuana and all this stuff, the CBD. It, 
the best way I could put it, it could kind of flush up their addiction again by putting a, even a trace amount of that psychoactive substance back in your body. That might be all it takes for you you to go into like a complete re-stimulation of your addiction for all intents and purposes. Okay. And so I don't want anyone that's either so that's sober who's you know gotten clean to think that they can go and use CBD. Well, although it is your choice and you know you're you are your ultimate decision maker, there is that potential that you could consume small amounts of THC. So you could still fail a drug test. You could you know you could still put that substance back in your body to where you might get a buzz or you might get just a trace amount to where it triggers something that you all of a sudden makes you want to go and get high again. So I don't think anyone in recovery or anyone with addiction issues should do CBD. And I can't, and I can't endorse it. Like I personally would never, ever use it knowing that. Okay. But, but personally, but, but my, but my mother, like my mother should go use it for her arthritis. Okay. And let me also say though, just, um, just to make one point is if you were going to do CBD, if that was a decision that you had made after doing research, you would be smart to contact someone like Pamela Seafeld. I'm fairly certain that the CBD that she prescribes doesn't have THC in it. And you would therefore want to use somebody reputable like that if you wanted to try it and also do it under their strict supervision. Absolutely. And, and I agree with you. I think that Anything, I mean, in the same way, we could say someone who has suffered from, you know, any kind of substance abuse should probably steer clear of alcohol. Right. Similarly. So, um, same thing. Point, point it's, taken. It's, it's, the, same, it's the same thing. Point taken in, and it's a very, very good point that if you're just researching and you're just going to try CBD from whatever source you think you can get it from, probably not the best idea. Even if you aren't, even if you've never struggled with substance abuse, there could be THC in it and it could lead to substance abuse. So, And and THC would be mistakenly in it. It wouldn't be in there purposely. But you have to understand when you process a hemp plant, you know, the hemp plant grows the marijuana buds. And so there's THC in all different parts of the plant. So you got to be really careful right. about what you're consuming. The other thing that bothers me about CBD is that these e-cig stores all sell them. And these e-cig stores are also havens for recovering addicts for some reason and people that have been through addiction. You know, there's stores in, in Clearwater where all of them, it seems like, are in 12-step recovery who work there. Wow. And they sell this stuff and they use this stuff. And, it, it, and you know, I, people just really need to be careful about it. So they CBD really just, isn't regulated, which I think is the point. And so if you're going to try it, you need to try it with someone, you know, who is licensed and has knowledge about it rather than just your local e-cig store. Right, exactly. Yeah. But, exactly. but you make a good point. If you have a history of substance abuse, probably best to avoid it altogether. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I would just don't take the chance. Exactly. Exactly. You don't need something to trigger, you know, trigger anything and have it come back. Right. Exactly. Cool. So things are... Otherwise, I think that was a great interview. And I'm glad that there's somebody out there that is looking for and providing alternate solutions to pain management other than narcotics and i think that's that's the way we're going to start to beat this thing is like like i said before it's not creating new addicts like the addicts that are already out there 
it's time to treat them, get them off the drugs and figure out why, you know, the, the opiates became the cure all for everything. But the other solution is not creating new addicts. Exactly. And if there's more people out there that are pushing natural interventions before a chemical intervention, I think that's a wonderful thing and it's a step in the right direction. I think so too, because as we've said before, I mean, pain is real. People have pain. Typically, it's not long-term pain. Typically, it's short-term. But no matter what type of pain, there has to be a way to address it. I mean, it is, pain can be debilitating, but it doesn't need to be treated with addictive narcotics. It just doesn't. There are a lot of alternatives to it. In fact, interestingly enough, there's, I talk on, I talk all the time about doing exercise, especially for my back, because one of the things the doctor said was to do stretching. And so I have a, a, a exercise program that I do, and there's one called back pain relief. That is the specific one. And she says, when you start, she says, okay, you may be in pain, but if you start doing some of these stretching stretches, the pain starts to go away and it actually does work for me. So point is there are alternatives. There are non-narcotic alternatives to pain and that's important, you know, because Absolutely. if we don't address Absolutely. it, then, you know, people are going to turn to narcotics because they have to do something. So, um, yesterday I, I interviewed, um, Julieta, the president for drug free world for chapter. And next week, we will comment on that interview. I think it really addresses the subject of education and how important it is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Good. And I know Julieta pretty well myself because I've worked with her on occasion. And so, you know, I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. That's awesome. Great. Okay, Jason. So thanks. We will talk again next week. And you got it. You got it. Have a and great uh, week. You know, it's, you too. it's a double-edged sword. Like I, like on the one hand, I'm glad that you guys are busy because it means that more and more people are taking advantage of what I believe to be the most effective drug rehab program that exists. Um, on the other hand, if we can do enough with this podcast and do enough with promoting education and alternatives, you know, eventually maybe there just won't be addicts. That would be the, that would be the hope for the future. Absolutely. And we're going to keep working towards that. Yes, we are. Thanks, Jason. Have a great you guys, rest of the week. You too. Bye. Okay, bye. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 